Tonight what we're talking about is talking about approval and our need for it. You know, it's kind of interesting that our, our need for approval starts really young. It's almost like it's baked into who we are. It, it starts from such a young age. And I remember growing up and there's certain things in my life that I absolutely wanted approval for. And um, myself, like many of you, you probably had a parent that pushed you into something and you felt like you had to do it for approval. Like maybe it was a sport or an activity or something. For me, my dad played college basketball, so he wanted me to play basketball. Uh, the sad part was I did not get his athleticism. The man, he could dunk, all that kind of stuff. I just hustled really hard. Uh, and, and so I remember my dad would like, was all about basketball. And it was like, it felt like this. It felt like, and he never said this, and I don't believe this to be true now. But back then it kind of felt like, hey, if you are good at basketball, then dad loves you a little bit more. Like some of you have felt that way before a little bit with something. And he would come to all my practices and he would show up. And I'm, I always felt incredibly nervous with him there the entire time. Because I thought, man, if I don't do well, then that's predicated on his approval. But I, I mean, I still remember it was, it was throughout all of life because I remember going into middle school and middle school was like the first year I realized that I was poor um, <laughs> because we didn't have uh, the, uh, the, everybody had, didn't have the same clothes and all that kind of stuff. And so I realized very quickly, I didn't have all the right clothes, but at least I was like, hey mom, at least get me. And for some of you, you'll understand this. Some of you won't. I'm like, mom, I need a Jansport backpack. Not just a regular Jansport but it had to have the leather bottom. You know, the bottom that when you got wet made all your books brown? That, that Jansport backpack. And my mom's like, no, you're getting the Walmart special. And I'm like, no, mom, I need Jansport. And she goes, oh, you're too good for Walmart. And I'm like, yes, I don't, <laughs> I think so. Like, that's a weird question. I think I am. But I remember I just wanted that. And it's still to this day, like, I, it's still funny. Like, after I teach, there's like that part of me that's like, man, I hope people liked it. Like, I hope people, uh, like, enjoyed it, or at least they got something out of it. And, and many people think, oh, man, it must be so great because you're married to Chrissy, and Chrissy, she always laughs at all my jokes, and it's great. She must always tell you you're amazing and all that. But actually, for Chrissy, it's one of those things, like, if it's after a message and she doesn't say anything, I'm like, oh, crap. And there's times where I go, hey, babe, so how was tonight? And she'll be like, well, the music was this, and the announcements were this, but she won't mention the message. And I'm like, oh, man, I gotta ask. Like, so how was the message? She goes, well, not all of them are home runs. Thanks, babe. For better or worse, that's what it was about, right? But it's funny, like I remember throughout the years, that experience, I, I was in student ministry for a long period of time, and I did all these student leader, leader interviews. I did 60 interviews with these kids that want to be student leaders, and I asked every single one of them, like, what's your favorite parts about our student ministry? And out of 60 leaders, not one of them said your messages. And I was like, I guess it's time to move into young adults. Uh, <laughs> but it is, it's something that's just kind of baked into what we deal with. It's something that we deal with all the time. And so what I want to do is kind of start off with this, kind of five signs that you're looking for approval. And when I say approval, I'm not talking about you're looking for approval from everyone. I'm saying you're looking for approval from someone. And so here's the first sign. You consistently worry about what somebody else thinks. It's, it's that a reason why I think public speaking is the biggest fear. I mean, that always is crazy to me, that people fear coming up here and speaking more than sharks. Like sharks are scary, and people are like, no, 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 I'll jump in the shark tank. Just don't make me talk to someone. But we do. We don't like that. We don't want uh, people to see the wrong side. And that's why we spend so much time on whatever we post on social media. It's the reason I can't post on social media. I look at the photo over and over again. I'm like, no, it's not good. I just give up. And I just stop. And some of you, you are, you're looking for approval. So you constantly post more and more selfie from this angle, from that angle. You're like, maybe this is too many selfies. So you put a Bible verse with it. It's like, she's in clothes and wisdom. You know, it's like... 
And here's the deal. It's not just girls anymore. I've seen way too many photos of guys with their shirts off biting their lips. Stop biting your lip. Stop. You don't look sexy. You look constipated. Think about it this way. If you walk into a room and somebody says, are you feeling okay? Is your first response, why do I look bad? Or maybe it's this, you're overly sensitive. A hundred people could tell you you did an incredible job. One person says it wasn't that great and you take that as the main thing. Or you get a new outfit or a new haircut and you walk in and nobody notices it and it ruins your day. Or you call or text a friend and they don't talk or text you right back and you freak out. Not only do you freak out, but you freak out in text. Is everything okay? Is everything fine? Is that, are you okay? And they're like, I forgot my phone going to the bathroom. I'm sorry. Or, I mean, it's the other side of it. You start to compromise your values. You know, you, you find somebody and you decide to keep them. You will give up your emotional, spiritual, and physical boundaries. It's like at first you're like, no, this is what I believe in. But they say, well, it's this other way. And you're like, well, they are really good looking. Or it's in business and some of you have jobs and you're like, man, there's ways that I can get ahead or it's in school. There, there's ways that we compromise. Or here, here's a bigger one. I think it's one that affects all of us and even myself. We hesitate to share our faith. I mean, it, it's interesting to me that if we believe Jesus is who he says he was, that we believe that he can forgive us, that we get heaven, that he can transform lives, that we worry about coming off the wrong way. You know, you know how I don't want to come off as some sort of religious freak. I just want to be a normal Christian. Well, here's the problem with normal. Normal's never changed the world. And, and so, yeah, there you go. That's, that's good. <laughs> but it's true. We, we're, we're worried about what other people think about us. We're worried more about what somebody will say about us than whether or not they find Jesus. Or maybe it's this, and I think this will hit a lot of us. You have a hard time saying no. You're, you're the person that when somebody's asking you something, you're screaming on the inside going, why are they asking me this? But on the outside, you say, okay, I'll do it. And the entire time, you are feeling guilty, but also resentful, and you have that welling up inside of you. So, so we do this. We, we walk around. So many of us, we look like we have everything together, but we're just sitting there going, like me, affirm me. Help me. Tell me, tell me that I, I look good. Tell me that I'm doing well. And we see this on social media all the time. We see people constantly. They, they put out things just to bait people into affirming them. I mean, I, mean, I see it so many times. I see people, especially young adults, that just got out of a breakup, and they're, they're feeling down, so they put so, something on social media like, I'm horrible, I'm horrible, nobody ever wants to date me, I'm worthless, all that kind of stuff. And they throw it out there, which is bold, which is bold because somebody might go, yeah, you should just give up. Well, what happens? Everybody, oh, no, you're amazing. You're wonderful. Blah, blah, blah. You're great. You're going to find the wrong person. The last person was a jerk, even though we don't know the last person. And like they go back and forth and they're just looking for someone to do it. Or if somebody actually, I, this is what kills me is when somebody actually calls somebody out and says, hey, I just noticed you did that and seemed to be just so you could get affirmation. Um, that's, that, maybe you should look for it in a different place. They take that picture of that text and they put it on social media and say, what do you guys think of this person? What they said. And we just look for people to take our side. I mean, it's interesting to me, social media and all these things, they're like a drug. It's a drug for affirmation. I mean, it's the reason some of you use Tinder and Bumble and all those things. It's not really that you're looking for someone. You just want to know people swipe right. You're just looking for that, that boost, knowing that somebody would actually like you. Here, here's the problem in all of this. Becoming obsessed with what other people think is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. 
It's the quickest way to forget what God thinks about us. Proverbs 29, 25 says it this way. It says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Now, what's interesting is in this verse, it says trap there. And it's kind of, it's, it's changed so that we can understand it. But what the word actually talks about a snare, when it means a snare, it's talking about, you guys ever seen the ring that goes in the front of a cow's nose? Like, and they put the ring in the front of the cow's nose because to move a cow would be a hard thing. But they found that if you put the ring in the front of the nose and you move the head, the cow goes where it goes. Here's what he's saying. He's saying fearing people is like a nose in a cow. Like you literally all you're worrying about is what other people think of you. So you're, it's almost like somebody says, oh, I really like what you're wearing. It's like you're pulled and you're like, what else do you like about me? It's, it's a, we're constantly looking to what they're saying about it. It's, it's this person. You guys have all had a friend that you knew and you loved and you cared about. They started dating somebody else. You stopped seeing them. And then when you saw them again, everything changed. They changed for a person. They changed for a friend. They changed for other people. We've seen this happen so many times. But here, here's the problem with it is when we do that, when we put people ahead of God, it's idolatry. We're literally making an idol. We're going, this person gives me what I want, and what I want is affirmation. And, and what that looks like is this, is when we, we make the opinion of others too big, and we make the opinion of God too small. Now, here, here's what I'll say. When we put opinions of others up, even when you take God out of the equation, when we, when we put the opinion of other people up, up high in our life, it's actually a limiting factor in our life. Ever had a boss that couldn't tell the person the hard thing, so nothing ever changed? Ever had a situation, you know, if you want to do business or you want to get ahead anywhere, you actually have to have hard conversations? Ever had a friend that watched you stumble through things knowing exactly what was wrong but never told you because they just wanted you to like them? See, so many times we have things in our lives that we need to know, but because we care so much about people liking us, we never find it out. See, if we want to follow God, we can't be consumed about what other people think. We can't simultaneously live for others and live for God. So, so how do we do this? How do we overcome this? We've got to focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. It's the idea of this. Don't live for the crowd, but live for the one. Galatians 1.10 says it this way. It says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. What is he saying? He goes, if I care about what other people think, I would not be able to do what God wants me to do. And here's why. When we choose to look for what other people think, life becomes a little bit more comfortable. It is more comfortable going for what somebody else thinks of us than what God does because I can appease them. Many times what I do for God causes other people not to like me. It's kind of, it's kind of like this. We, my wife and I, we used to, before kids, go on cruises all the time. Every year we went on a cruise and we would get the cheapest time. We would go. It was awesome. Guys, there's, not, there's just something about cruises that are amazing. Yes, I gain 10 pounds every time I go, but it's just like there's food everywhere. It's awesome. The, the weirdest time for me, because I'm like mildly introverted, moderately introverted, is, uh, is the time where you go to dinner and you sit around the table with four other people you don't know. And so you go to sit down, and it's always weird because you don't know who you're going to get, and you don't know if they're going to be weird. And I always don't like it because what always happens is about halfway through the first conversation, they go, so what do you do? And I'm like, crap, I'm a pastor. And they like take the wine glass and put it underneath the table. <laughs> They're like, really? My cousin's uncle goes to church. Cool. Good. Okay. 
but it changes the entire conversation. I mean, I've, I've literally seen people just like immediately, either they immediately change the conversation or they get mad at me. They're like, religion is the opiate of the masses. I'm like, that's really funny with you, with that second wine bottle there. But anyway, we literally, this one time we went on this cruise and we sat down at the table and we were actually able to make it to like the fifth day without them asking. But on the very first day, we sat down at the table and this one of the ladies, we had one couple and then we had two single ladies show up and one of the single ladies sat down and she goes, you know what? My goal on this cruise is to get drunk and have a threesome. Which really makes eye contact after that very weird. She's like, right? I'm like, shrimp? Can't. You can ask my wife. I am dead serious on this. It was the weirdest thing. And she's, you know, she's, I think she was kidding around. I don't know. And, and so we get through most of the week. And then the fourth day, they're like, yo, you know what? We never found out what you do. How? What do you do? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. And the girl that said that earlier goes, crap, I'm going to hell. But here's what's interesting. So many times, the reason I don't want to tell other people I'm a pastor is not for them, it's for me. Like, I like the idea of just being comfortable, just having a conversation, not having it become weird and all that kind of stuff. Well, what's crazy is from that moment on, the conversation did change, and one of the ladies sitting at our table actually came to our church after that. And I realized in that moment, I care more about more me being comfortable than somebody hearing about God or being involved in a church, and that's just wrong. But it's so easy for us to do in situations. It's so easy for us to go, you know what, in this moment, I really don't want to start something. This moment, I really don't want to have to deal with it. I'd rather just do what's comfortable. See, the problem is, is when we go for the approval of others, we don't even think about this. But when I need the approval of somebody else, I'm giving them power over my life. I'm literally giving them the power in my life to choose what, the way I'm going to act and what I'm going to do. And that's a problem. Because here's the biggest problem. We can't please everyone, right? Because, I mean, what's crazy, I think there was maybe a time in the world where you could, but nowadays it's impossible. Because if you voted one way, half of the country hates you. If you believe in this thing, the other half hates you. Like if you do this or do that, we're in one of the most polarizing times. And so what's so tough in life many times is going, where should I take this stand? And even you see in the church, you see people taking stands on things and yelling at each other over things that are absolutely insignificant. Always tell people, church, first off, is about the main thing, that Jesus is who he said he was. Do you believe that Jesus was the Son of God? He died on the cross for our sins. He rose three days later. Great. Do you believe that? Do you, ask, do you need forgiveness of your sins? Yes. Okay. After that, everything is secondary. But I've had people yell at me for all kinds of things. I had a lady come up in the office one time and go, when do you believe the rapture is going to happen? I'm like, and hello, my name is Hal. Like she just walked up and said that. And if you don't know what that word means, basically at the end times you look in Revelation, there's going to be a time where all the Christians go up into heaven. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but that's what they call it. And some people think it's going to happen at the very beginning before any bad things happen. Some people think it's going to happen at the end. I'm a realist. I think it's going to happen at the end, but if it happens early, cool. I told her, I think it's that way. She goes, oh my gosh, and you're a pastor? I was like, yeah, well, Revelation doesn't tell us, and actually, the book of Revelation actually says, like, hey, if you take this the wrong way and you teach it the wrong way, there's a curse on you. So I'm kind of like, cool, I'll stay away from that. But she was mad. She started yelling at me. She goes, I can't believe you guys even have a church. I can't believe you guys are doing this. You're sending everybody to hell. I'm like, whoa, no, 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 no. I said, you still believe in Jesus, right? She goes, yeah. I'm like, that's secondary. We have so many conversations about things that absolutely don't matter. And actually, here's the, the biggest thing. When we finally get down to the point 
where we realize we can't f- please everyone, it's freeing. Isn't it? Like when you go, I've realized I can't please everyone, it's freeing. But we can please God. And, and when I say we can't please everyone, so don't worry about pleasing everyone, that's not one of those like, some of you are in here right now, and you're just kind of mad at the world, and you're like, yeah, screw everybody, I'm just going to love God. And that's not what I mean. We still have to love people. But it's the idea that we no longer have to worry about the things that are going on around us. We just have to look at what God wants to do, us, do for us. See, we've got to live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. Here's what that means. God has already approved of you. God's already told you who you are. We get to, as Christians, live from that instead of doing things so people will approve of us. It's a very different idea. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says it this way. It says, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not please people. He alone examines the motives of our heart. See, this is what's crazy to me. It literally says, he goes, we are messengers approved by God. This means that God has decided, I have given it up to you in order to tell everybody the good news about Jesus. This has this always perplexed me. I'm like, why couldn't God at just some moment, just like all of a sudden the entire world, you hear like the emergency broadcast tone, like, doo, doo, and then God opens the heavens. And he just goes, hey, what's up, guys? I'm God. Just want to let everybody know Jesus was my son. He rose from the dead. All right. And then closed up the heavens and went back. That would clear up everything. It would be so much easier. But no, what does it say? He goes, no, I'm not going to do that. What I've decided to do is allow you to go around and tell people the good news. I've entrusted you with that good news. And the problem is, guys, we will never tell anyone the good news if we care more about what they think than where they will go. We will never give anyone the good news if we care more about what they think than what their heart could be. Guys, we must care more about what dad, dad, what God says... Freud. That was weird. <laughs> so, let me say it this way. Let me regain something here. Um, I think it's surprising that people are surprised that people don't like Christians. Like, I, I, it's when people are like, and I told them about Jesus and they didn't like me. I'm like, oh, why, why are we surprised by that? Like, Jesus lived a perfect life. He healed people. I've never healed anyone. Like, he, he gave food to people. Like, he, he fed 5,000 people, more than that, at one time. Like, he did everything that was good. He was the kindest person in the world, and they killed him. So why do we, why are we surprised when we tell somebody about Jesus or we say we believe in something, somebody may not like us? I mean, that's the thing. If we are, are so focused on whether or not someone will like us, we won't stand up for the things that we ought to. I mean, I, I still remember after doing a, a dating series in here and we just talked about purity and all, all of those things. One of the, the girls that was there, she, she went on a date. On the first date, she goes, yeah, I, I believe that I'm gonna um, save sex for marriage. And the guy literally said, are you serious? He called her the B word, and then he said, she will never find love. It's like, wow. But, but I've heard people say this all the time. I, I've had so many of you, after we've done this series, and you've realized, man, I need a year of healing away from relationships. And you've told your parents, I'm going to take a year off from dating. And your parents are like, what? That's stupid. 
I still remember having a, a girl in the ministry whose dad actually told her, he goes, you will never find a good man unless you put out. And that's from her dad. And I'm thinking, man, how tough is it? It's, it's one thing to have a random guy say something stupid. We expect that. It's another thing to have somebody close to you say something dumb. So when we talk about living from the approval of God, not for the approval of others, it's, it's to the core. Like, it's in everything. It's, it, it's to everyone. It's, it's including our family. It's including our best friends. It's including those around us. We truly have to get to the point where we care more about what God says about us than what others think about us. And our worth, like I said, is already based on what God has already said. So the question is, who does God say you are? And I just have several verses up here. It, it says that you are a new creation in Christ. It says when, the, when you become a Christian, you are new. He gives you a new life and you are a new creation. It says you are forgiven and your sins are washed away. No matter what you've done, no matter what's happened, you are forgiven. It says you are more than a conqueror throughout Christ, which means you have the power to do what God's called you to do. You are God's masterpiece, which means God has you for a plan and for a reason. It says you are the light of the world, which means God wants to use you for something. It says you are filled with the same spirit that raised Christ, which means we're filled with the same power that Jesus had. It says, you are a joint heir with Christ. You are Christ's ambassador. You are the righteousness of God in Christ, and you are greatly loved by God. Guys, we talk about hope. Do we need hope? We all need hope. That is hope no matter where we are. No matter what you do today, no matter what you do tomorrow, whether or not you go away from God or closer to God, He doesn't love you any less. Whether or not you decide right away to do what God wants you to do or you go the opposite way, all of these are still true. All of them are still true. See, what this allows us to do as Christians in those moments where we feel like we're worthless, those moments that we feel like we're not enough and we can't accomplish anything, we go to his word and he reminds us of who we are. That's why I talked about as Christians, we get to live from the approval of God, not for approval. God's not grading us. He says, I already love you. God, said, God says you are called, you are equipped, and you are loved. And he actually says in the Bible, he will chase after you with that love. We don't have to go searching for it. I still remember my sister's, sister, uh, my sister's senior year of basketball. Um, she, uh, one of the girls on her team got pregnant and the parents were so mad they kicked her out of the house which is the logical thing to do and, uh, and she actually came and, and lived with our family for just a little bit but I, me I remember walking through that my dad was always one that he saw every situation as a time to tell a story or to, to get back into it and he, he pulled my sister aside and he goes I just, I just want you to understand there's absolutely nothing you can do that would cause us to do that he goes, in fact, if you got pregnant and you were afraid of what we would say and you ran away, he goes, I would track you down and hug you. He goes, I would find you. And he told her that. He said, it doesn't matter. I will find you. I mean, for so many of us in here, that may not be the case. You didn't have that kind of father, so you didn't see that. You don't understand what God says. God's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I don't care what you do. I will look for you. I don't care what you've been through. I will find you. I don't care how much you think you've messed up. I will come after you. 
and I will remind you who you are and whose you are. Romans 12, 1 to 2 says this. This isn't so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Then he goes on to say, he says, don't copy the behaviors of this world, behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What's interesting about this verse is the answer to verse two is verse one. See, the answer to not copying the behaviors of this world, the answer to allowing God to transform you and change the way you think is to give your life to him. It's to be close to him. Nowhere in that does he say, hey, figure it out and then show up with me. Hey, figure it out and then come back to me. He says, if you want to change your life, you want to change your world, just hand it over to me. See, there's no way I can please everyone in this world. But through faith, I can please God. And through that, I realize it's not about me. It's not about what others think about me. It's what God says about me. And that takes time. Look, I I don't know where everyone is in this room. And here's what I know. All of us have hurts. All of us have pains. All of us have spots in our hearts where they hurt from time to time. There's times where we, we feel like we just need someone to affirm us. We just need someone to be there for us. And I'm not saying you can't have people in your life who encourage you. That's not what I'm saying. The problem comes when we purposely seek out that affirmation in a way that's against what God wants us to do. See, what we can do is we can go to God, figure out what God wants us to do, and then out of that, find the affirmation that we need. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you love us this much. God, I thank you that you've already told us who we are in you. You've already told us that we are loved, that we are cared for, that we are chosen. You've told us that we are sons and daughters of Christ. You've told us that you love us more than we could ever understand. God, I pray right now that no matter where anyone is in this room, no matter what they're going through, God, in this moment, they can feel your closeness. In this moment, they can see that you are near. In this moment, God, they can look in your word, look at those same verses and realize what you think about them. God, we thank you and we know that you never change. God, we thank you that you are that kind of God. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.